WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week our guest is the artist behind comics like New Mutants Dead Souls, Punk Mambo, and the uh, new vault series The Blue Flame, Adam Gorham. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, what are some of the first comics you remember reading? Uh, uh, there's a few. Um, they all kind of had an impact in me, on me, I should say, in me, on me, <laughs> in one way or another. Uh, um, but uh, one of the first comics that I remember was um, Batman the Cult, uh, and uh, illustrated by Bernie Wrightson, and Bernie Wrightson would go on to you know, influence and inspire me for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I grew up in the heyday of like the nineties comics bubble. So like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the local mall had like a, a newsstand that, you know, uh, rode that, rode that wagon and carried <laughs> all kinds of comics. Um, and that's where I would, uh, go to get them with my allowance and if I was you know an especially good boy my parents would bring me back some from a shopping trip so my dad bought like this uh, trade paperback of Batman the Cult without really opening it and seeing what it was and I, like you know for anybody unfamiliar with Batman the Cult it's a great story but it's very graphic it's very dark and gritty um, and probably not suitable for like uh, an eight or nine year old but uh, I was blown away by it, you know, it was amazing. And so I, it was a prized possession of mine growing up and, um, you know, like I didn't have, you know, I was a kid, so I didn't have money to like regularly buy comics or follow a storyline or, you know, or, or, uh, you know, uh, be super, you know, with my ear to the ground on what was good and what wasn't. Um, I didn't even really, I was the only person I knew in my life for a long while who even enjoyed comics. So I didn't even have somebody to say, you got to check out this book. you got to look at. So, I mean, I went through most of my life, uh, picking up comics, looking at them for the art, drawing what I saw inside or trying to emulate what I saw inside and not really, not really following names of creators, not really following storylines. I mean, I, you know, if I had, I remember my mom got me uh, chapter nine of like executioner song, which I think was like an issue of uncanny X-Men and it came with a trading card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if I, you know, I, I had thought because Wolverine had a spiked head, beast had spiked hair, strife had a spiked helmet. I thought there were three brothers. Uh, and <laughs> which like, if I had ever bothered to read the book that was in my hands, I would have figured that out quickly that they aren't. Um, So, I mean, like I, uh, so that, you know, that lives large in my memory. Um, But the first miniseries that I ever bought and followed to the the finish was a uh, six issue uh, Alien versus Predator book um, that took place on like some desert ranch planet. And uh, I think it like wound up being the template for the AVP movie. Uh, But um I remember like that came at a time where I was like, wait, this movie is colliding with this movie in a comic book. They can do this. <laughs> so that blew me away. Um, 
And, uh, and then, you know, because I spent so much time just standing in the aisle looking at walls of comics, it's really more like the covers that I remember than any, than reading any of the books. And like, there's a few books that I would like leaf through, uh, but could never afford to pick up. So, I mean, like I, you know, I, when I think of those, those times, it's, it's really cover art that springs to mind. Um, and, uh, and I remember like loosely keeping track of the clone saga just from like, you know, reading bits here and there before I got accused of loitering. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, like all of, you know, all of the real 90s sweet stuff I was exposed to and I mainlined as, as much as I could. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as books that like I, you know, really cherished when I was just a kid, it was Batman the Cult. And then years later when I was in high school, you know, I had my falling out with comics. Like I'm not supposed to like this stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be a cool guy. Uh that only lasted so long through high school and by 11th grade, I was like, I can't quit you. Um, and I got into Kingdom Come. Um, my, I was able to get like a really nice hardcover of Kingdom Come and um, it was, it's beautiful. And so Alex Ross's art really changed the way I looked at what comic art could be and, and uh, you know, uh, made me realize that like the medium is just capable of so much than what I remembered. And, um, and so, you know, that was the next book that I was like, you know, which is interesting because I consider myself, I think I've read more Marvel comics than I have DC comics. And yet the books that, uh, that really drove me and, and, and really pulled me back into the medium are both DC titles. I, I uh, like the idea of thinking that uh, Beast, Wolverine, and Strife are all related somehow, because that just complicates the Summers family uh, tree even further. <laughs> oh, man. But um, so uh, interesting fact, uh, you know, when I was kind of researching sure. for this for this episode, uh, you know, uh, you, do, you do that that cursory Googling uh, in the space to the right uh, of the search results on Google, where you'll often get like somebody's Wikipedia page or IMDb, IMDb page or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what came up for you was uh, a, a page created about you on TMNTpedia. Uh, I, I guess Ninja Turtles has its own wiki uh, okay. listing your, you know, the various comics that you'd worked on. Um, and I was, uh, I, I was kind of curious branching off of that. Um, do you or did you have a, a favorite uh, Ninja Turtles character to draw that isn't one of the, the four turtles or Shredder or Splinter? Because um, once I you get into that deep bench, they got some weirdos. <laughs> they really do. Um, I, the cast of, I've really come to, uh, I, I love the turtles growing up, love the cartoon, um, collected, as, you know, I, I was lucky to have most of their action figures. So when I think of their cast of characters, I think of, I think of the toys that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm, Worm was one of the characters that I really liked uh, as a toy, that is. But I can't remember much of him in the cartoon. Um, and then there's Spike, uh, who I, I thought was really great as well. Just like, you know, that thing where it's like, it's like the good guy, but made evil. and Or, you know, uh, so I, I enjoyed... I, I drew, I know that, I, I know for a fact that I drew Spike a few times. Um, 
and then Worm uh, at least once because he's just so, he was so gnarly with all the, he was just creepy. I loved it. Um, I have a soft spot for, I have weakness for monsters and, and creepy creatures and, and what have you. So those two I know for sure. Um, but I mean, like I was always drawing my action figures, so there's probably more. Um, yeah. And then I got to, you know, having drawn a few Ninja Turtle stuff, I would say that uh, Rat King is somebody that um, I didn't know. Like I grew up with like a different iteration of Rat King. Mm-hmm. So uh, the new canon Rat King was like almost like a Nosferatu type uh type of character that I was really able to sink my teeth into. But, um, but yeah, I mean, those, those are the, those are the ones that I can think of that I, that I know that I've drawn and enjoy drawing them, but I mean, it's doesn't get much better than drawing the OG turtles. So. Sure. Um, what, well, also looking at that, the TMNT credits, because it was kind of right there. Um, you inked Michael Walsh in the former guest of the show, Ed Brisson, written X-Files yeah. TMNT crossover. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from what you said about growing up in the 90s, I figure you are roughly of an age with me and Dan as we were also in there. And that was the height of the X-Files. Was that a show that you were into? Because I'm a still to this day probably a bigger x-files fan than those last few seasons uh sure. made me earn but god i love that show i yes i love the x-files it was appointment viewing for me and my family um i can't remember which season that i wound up getting into it but we watched it from early on i recently did like i recently did a rewatch of it because it was on prime or, or whatever and was surprised at like how much of the early stuff that I could recall. So, I mean, we, we were probably there from ground zero and um, you know, like the movie that eventually came out was a big deal when I was a kid for me, at least like we were, you know, like maybe this will answer everything. (laughs) Nope. Uh, But you know, that's the, I mean, that's one of the cool things about getting to work on licensed stuff um, in certain cases is that you remember like you, you know, you, all of these associated memories come to the surface. So, you know, like I, um, inking Walsh on that book was kind of my first really mainstream gig in comics. Um, so before that I'd been doing a lot of like indie stuff, a creator owned stuff. And, um, I was working in a warehouse and I, Mike and I were buds and he, uh, he sent me a text cause he was, you know, he was just popping off and it, with his career and, he, you know, he's like, I want to do this book, but I don't have time to pencil it and ink it. So will you ink it for me? Um, and that was my foot in the door. And then, you know, like the plot of that particular crossover was kind of like a, you know, not official. It was an unofficial sequel to an episode. Yeah. Great episode too. <laughs> I know. Uh, had one of the, it had Luke Wilson in it. Yeah. The kid from Sandlot. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good stuff so I mean like you know I could re- I could remember that episode it was like and it was a goofy enough present premise to like to work you know what I mean like the Ninja Turtles being an X-File and being investigated by the lone gunman and like you know like it it might as well have been an episode um so it was it was a super cool assignment and that you know happens with licensed stuff from time to time like you get to relive a piece of your childhood or I, when I started, um, I, I did a, a two-issue 
uh, arc, two issue storyline for Team NT Universe. And for that, I really, I really dove in and got to like, you know, rekindle my love for the IP because, you know, like it was a little more comprehensive than just inking. And so I, you know, I put on the old show and it really just came to me like how much of that stuff I ate up, you know, like I, I mean, the turtles were on everything. They were on t-shirts, they were on sweatpants. They had a green cereal, I think they had, uh, I mean, they might've had a pop tart flavor for all I can remember, but I mean, like they were, you know, ubiquitous and, it had been a while since I had really like gotten into that spirit, but it was really fun to get into. I didn't know I was, I had a, I, I had a TMNT wiki entry. That's pretty cool. So someone out there is keeping score. Uh, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, you've got a, you've got a new series, uh, the blue flame uh, coming out uh, May 26th uh, from vault with mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Cantwell, uh, colorist Kurt Michael Russell, Russell and uh, letterer Hassan Otsman Elhow. Uh, so for the listeners, uh, just to give you an idea, the Blue Flame is a cosmic hero. The Blue Flame is a DIY vigilante that fights crime on the streets of Milwaukee. The Blue Flame is a blue-collar HVAC repairman named Sam Brossom. Uh, in the wake of a horrific tragedy, the boundaries of the Blue Flame's identity blur even further. Now before a universal trial, the Blue Flame must prove that humanity is worth saving. But to do, so, but to do that, uh, Sam has to save himself. Can he? Um, Matt, I gave you the night off from reading the teaser text. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, how, uh, how did you get involved in this book? Um, kind of a roundabout way, to be honest. I was already working with Vault on some covers for various series of theirs, like Lead Them Dry, Giga, No One's Rose, uh, The Picture of Everything Else. So I was like, I was an exclusive cover guy for a little stretch there during 2020 and um, it was, uh, I mean, 2020 was a pretty chaotic year in general because I had a few assignments lined up that wound up kind of evaporating because of the pandemic. And, mm -hmm. you know, when Diamond halted distribution, it kind of upset the whole work. So, you know, you couldn't set your watch to anything any, anymore. And uh, so I was, you know, I had work for hire stuff that had either was put on hiatus and status for that kept changing or I was trying to follow up on creator own stuff that I had been putting off so it was really I put as many irons in the fire as I could um, and was really just getting by doing cover coloring my own stuff so um, you know creatively it was satisfying work and developed a nice relationship with them um, and uh, you know, I had uh, expressed interest in, in doing some interior stuff and they had been thinking the same thing luckily and they had this project with Chris. I think that they had been, you know, in various stages of development for a year at that point and felt that uh, I was the right guy for it. And um, I guess we're just waiting to spring it on me. But, um, you know, they told me the premise of it and I was like, okay, uh, you know, like I had, I've done superhero stuff before. I, I enjoy it, but I, you know, like I, I'm, it's not something, you know, uh, that I am immediately drawn to. Um, and, uh, but the premise was interesting, but what really sold me on it was, uh, you know, Christopher's script and the quality of his writing. And um, I just, I read it and knew immediately that I could draw it, but that it would also really push me into new places and, give me an opportunity to try a lot of stuff. Um, 
And there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of superheroics, but there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, weighty humanity in the story as well that I would, uh, that I was looking forward to, to tackling. So, um, you know, we uh, basically, you know, like sold me on the script and the rest kind of rates itself. And, uh, but, um, you know, it's one of these, uh, it's one of these comics where it's not exactly what you might expect, but, um, you know, it's been, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a joy for me to work on because it gives me, it, you know, makes me, you know, there's books that I read that are, that are fun, you know, they're light and they're, you know, they're kind of like the empty calories you need. And then there's books that I'll read and I have to sit with them a bit and let them roll around in my mind. And, and I feel like drawing this gives me that experience that, you know, what, which is normally the case for me as a reader uh, is now, you know, such as a creator and, um, you know, like a, just as a, as a journey from, you know, reading the script to drawing a page and thinking about the scenes and the characters and placing myself there, it's been, um, you know, it's been, it's allowed me uh, uh, the chance to, you know, a lot of introspection, especially because mm -hmm. the book, it, you know, it talks about heroism in, you know, in several different ways uh, with, you know, like Sam, the blue flame is the central figure. Um, and, you know, like it kind of it, it does an interesting thing where it examines you know, why somebody would want to be a superhero, especially in the world that we live in, like what compels somebody to uh, step outside of their comfort zone to stand up for others or to do what they think is right. And, um, you know, uh, it, it explores the ramifications of those kinds of decisions and those kinds of actions. Um, and it's, it's not what I would call a deconstruction of the superhero archetype. It, uh, uh, you know, cause it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, make you feel bad about superheroes or anything like that, or it, you know, it's not one of these things that it's not a superhero book that looks down on its own subject matter. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's kind of a book that asks you to really think about what's great about humanity, what's precious about life. And, um, you know, like, what do you value? What would you fight for? What would you stand up for? Um, and I think that's really why I enjoy working on it so much, but I think that's what it has to offer. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned it's not a superhero deconstruction, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how like 30 years on, you know, when, when you talk about wanting to, you know, do it do a story, do a story that's about superheroes, but it's about something more, or it's, you know, examining them through a different lens. You almost have to warn people like, we're not doing a Watchmen. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about what to compare it to, to give people an idea. Like when you're trying to sell them on a book, you can, you know what I mean? And Watchmen is like, it's, it's, you know, it's sitting there, but I, you know, and I love, I love Watchmen. It did what it did. It's still, it's still significant and, uh, and poignant. Um, so, but I, I do think that it's untouchable. So I stay away from trying to compare it to that mm -hmm. because it does, you know, what it does is so specific. And um, so I'd hate to give people the idea that that's what we're, that's what we're doing as well. But um, it, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of heart in what we're doing. Um, so 
and I also think like there's, I think that there's a little fatigue in like, uh, in, in presenting superheroes in this darker light, you know, and because uh, it kind of, it suggests that superheroes with a lot of light can't be taken seriously and that's not true. Um, so I think what we're doing is uh, showing what's great about superhero comics while also um, looking at certain problems of our contemporary society directly in the eye. So uh, what were those, those initial, you know, once you're, you're on board with this project, you know, what are those initial conversations like, uh, you know, before you've got character designs, is it a few emails between you and Chris? Is it like an hours long zoom call where you're just batting ideas back and forth, you know, uh, a couple DMS, like when do you know what, the blue flame, uh, you know, every version of him, uh, looks like. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's an organic process. So it's not something that happens quickly. Like you try to do as much work in an orderly fashion as you can, but, um, you, everybody comes to it with their, you know, like everybody on the team came into it at different points. And what I think, is great about that is that when somebody came in, they added something new that wasn't there before. And so the character changed or, you know, at, you know, had a new dimension suddenly. And so you had to rethink the character. And I think that that's creatively a very good thing. Um, Cause I'm always like, I, you know, in terms of my own work, when I'm drafting and stuff, I always think, well, my first idea is never going to be my best idea. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you're chipping away at, the the masterpiece within the marble block so to speak but um you know so which is to say that i you know chris conceived this idea however long ago but the script uh, was brought to vault maybe like a year before i came on board so there was like an idea of what the book was supposed to feel like more than anything else like what vault wanted this book to be it's their first foray into a superhero comic it's not really their bag um, so, you know, they were thinking like, if we're going to do a superhero comic, what's that going to be? And, uh, so, you know, just from that kind of standpoint, that's what they were very concerned with. Um, you know, Chris and his script had a very specific idea of you know, the look of and feel of the character and where he wanted to take this character on his journey while still leaving me a lot of room to flesh out the details and, uh, you know, add my nuances to it. And then when Kurt came aboard, it was the same thing. Uh, and so, I mean, like time-wise, I mean, like we're talking about maybe like three to four months of, of you know, an initial call just to talk about what we all think of, you know, having read the script, what we think of the story, any concerns we might have, any questions, um, where it's going, that kind of thing. Because it's a finite story. It's 10 issues. Um, so there is an ending in place and, you know, as, uh, after reading the script, that's kind of what I wanted to know most of all is like, where, you know, where are we going here? Um, and, uh, that's one of the things that sold me on it, but, you know, obviously I won't be talking about that here. Um, and then, you know, just like what we wanted this guy to look like and uh, it's a new superhero, but it's not an origin story we meet Sam in the blue flame at a point where he's been active. And so we wanted this to feel 
uh, familiar. Like we didn't have to lay a lot of groundwork. Like as the reader, you're jumping in, you get it. You've read superhero comics before. So you have enough, you know, operating knowledge to, to get on board. Um, so we wanted to feel, you know, familiar, a little nostalgic while also uh, taking that and kind of turning it on its ear at a certain point. Um, so, you know, like I was looking at all kinds of different things for the costume uh, and, and, you know, and different details here and there. And I've designed looks for, you know, when I was working on New Mutants, I designed costumes for the characters. So I've had that experience before, but designing designing looks and, and, and outfits that feel that feel fresh and not derivative of anything else is like impossible. It's very challenging. So, you know, like I had to kind of overcome this obstacle, this mental obstacle of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. So I have to put something together that feels at least true to the character, you know, like this, you know, not necessarily, basically not be afraid if it, looks or emulates something but also give it enough of its own uh feel that it that it does feel um like itself so i mean and that can that was a that was a bit of a tightrope act and i'd like to think that i that i did okay um and what's been cool about that is like seeing these variant covers by other artists and their interpretations on the character we have yoshi uh 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 oh geez the last name escapes me. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, it's it's Yoshi Yoshitani. That, okay, but um, their covers are great, and they're like connecting, which is going to be really awesome. Um, so yeah, like it's you know, going through the looks was like a long process of like drawing and redrawing, and he has, you know, he has a look when he's just starting it out, uh, where it's a very like you know homespun costume, and then when he's been around for a while and he's doing his cosmic stuff, so. Um, yeah, it's, it, it was fun. It just a lot of back and forth. And then really it's just kind of like drawing the pages and, and, and saying, you know, like, this is what I think of this moment needs, or, you know, this is what I'm drawing from to, to fill this scene or what have you. So like the, the, the exchanging of notes and the dialogue never actually stops. It's a continuous thing. Um, but that initial, the initial just kind of like getting the band on the road was maybe like a three month process. Mm -hmm. On top of, you know, Blue Flame and his costumes that you also have aliens in here and aliens I've always thought of as something that, you know, I imagine as I am about, I'm about as artistically talented as my cat. Um, your cat's an escape an artist. artist. That's what we learned today. <laughs> yes, but just because she can get out of places doesn't mean she can draw worth anything. Um, but I've always imagined aliens would be something that would let the art are there for an artist's imagination to run wild. Um, how much of those designs were sort of pre-built into the script and how much were you able to just go to town on creating aliens? Um, I mean, like Chris writes vividly. So... You know, he, I think, I think he, you know, he comes from screenwriting um, and, uh, or at least you know, that's where he made his name. Um, so he has a very cinematic way of, of setting a scene, setting a stage. And I think that's because, in, you know, uh, 
I guess in both mediums, but you know, when he's selling a story to a studio, they have to be able to see it, you know? And um, so he's, uh, he's quite skillful at painting a vivid picture with words for me. So some of the aliens um, I could see pretty clearly just because, you know, he picked a few choice words that really, uh, you know, cobbled an image together for me. Um, and then other stuff like there's, you know, one of the, when you're drawing comics, any type of comic, especially science fiction comics or superhero comics, you'll get pages where it's like, you know, in a panel you get asked to design an entire alien world unlike anything anybody's ever seen before <laughs> with strange and, and, and mind-bending architecture and vehicles and creatures and so on and so forth. And I have to do that inside of a day. <laughs> so, you know, like there are, I have create creation wells that I kind of draw water from and look to and, and so on. And, and uh, I'll, I try to look in unlikely places for inspiration for, for otherworldly things. And then there's just stuff that I like genuinely think is cool. And, uh, and then like, you know, there's a few times in the making of this comic where my editor had to kind of like, this rock looks like a penis, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so does that building. <laughs> <laughs> so does that alien um, and I mean that could just be the HR Giger in me I don't know but um, uh, so I mean like it's it's a lot of fun. like I drew you know drawing rocket at Marvel which took place in space and like I uh, was able to you know I guess develop those kinds of muscles with that because you know Al wrote that script where it was like it's a space bar filled with all kinds of really space characters go nuts um so I kind of was, you know, you had to. And I, you know, for that, I, uh, I was big into um, the BBC Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, uh, TV movie um, when I was a kid. And uh, all of their, you know, really bad <laughs> uh, alien makeup and stuff. But, you know, like, I guess like, you know, bad in terms of quality, but still managed to really strike a chord and, 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 and visuals that stuck with me. So, you know, like I still, I still think of that program um, when I, when I try to like really, you know, let myself unwind because, you know, I feel like, I feel like if you were to go to an international or like a, or in, a intergalactic space station, it would be kind of silly at certain points. Like you'd see some stuff where, you know, you know, it wouldn't look all cool and awesome. There'd have to be some stuff that looks kind of bonkers and ridiculous. So just, you know, like, the, uh, just consider the odds, right? So, you know, like, I, I'm not afraid to kind of look at some ridiculous childish things to kind of get my, my inspiration. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, you know, drawing aliens and stuff, it's, it's really fun. But again, it's kind of like, you know, her, it, I think that there's a little bit of pressure for a certain kind of freshness and uh, uh, that's when, you know, that's when uh, it can get kind of challenging and unnerving. There's oh, my <laughs> companion there, Maple. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think I, I, as I'm, as I'm prone to do, I think I might've lost sight of the question, but yes, drawing aliens is <laughs> awesome stuff. <laughs> drawing aliens. Great. Yes, there we go. <laughs> the TLDR of it all. Um, given given that that you know a chunk of the book takes place in space and a chunk of the book takes place in in Milwaukee, um, 
two very different places. Uh, <laughs> do you do you treat it in your mind like you're drawing two different comics, or is there enough of a a through line between the two settings that no, not really? Um, initially, I initially like we you know it's scripted as if they it's scripted to feel to have a different feel. Um, but initially I found that I didn't have to do anything very different in terms of how I draw or how I approach the subject matter. The subject matter itself is just so different that, you know, like it doesn't require much from me. Um, you know, like I, cause I'm doing as much as I can to make the, the cosmic stuff as cosmic as possible that the contrast is just, you can't help it. But, you know, we reach a point in the story where uh, things back on earth, start to go off the rails and I find I'm coming at it with, uh, you know, uh, uh, not, I don't want to say looser, but, um, you know, like I'm, there's a scratchiness that I'm now intentionally employing with, with certain things um, just to convey that, uh, you know, like things are a little hairier. Um, and uh, so, you know, like I, you know, like I, whereas before it just kind of, didn't need to be like I am making a more of an effort to to really get that across. I don't want it to be so jarring, but um, but it's still again like it still feels like a natural progression for me. Um, so you know like I I but I the one thing I am happy about is that people can see a difference. Uh, you know for those that have uh, you know seen the seen the work so far that they can see a contrast. And so it tells me that I've done my job so far. <laughs> um, one thing I read, uh, I think it was uh, an interview with CBR with uh, the whole team there. Uh, those, those first couple caption boxes on that first page where it's really giving you that like silver age sci-fi feel. Yeah. Uh, that was actually like a, a total collaboration between you and Kurt and, and Haas to kind yeah. of create that vibe. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I mean, like in Chris as well, like I, the first page was kind of, he wrote that, you know, he, he the, the page description mentioned that there'd be like this, you know, classic, uh, uh, you know, silver age, uh, title bar for lack of a better term, um, mm -hmm. that would, and I could picture it just sort of like a little icon of the character. And, you know, I wanted it to give, I wanted it to have the feel like, Although this is the first issue and the first time you're reading it, I wanted it to have the feel like, you know, uh, uh, like you're a returning viewer. You know what I mean? Like we're back from those sponsored messages. <laughs> the adventure continues and so on. So the book kind of, the book kind of starts uh, in a place where there's, you know, the story is already happening. Uh, media res, I guess. But um, uh, so I, that's just how I pictured. That's how it, just how I saw the page and, I'm not normally one to draw in the caption stuff, but for this, I felt like it needed it. And um, I just, you know, uh, it's, you know, again, about trying new things with this. And, um, and then Kurt just went to town on the colors. Like I, mm -hmm. I, when he showed me that page, like my, my jaw dropped, it was just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, and, you know, like that extended to those boxes as well. And then, you know, Haas is a, you know, he's a mad genius when it comes to lettering. And I think we just kind of, all we did was build him a sandbox and he filled it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he, he just did some really wonderful stuff with the, with that opening sequence. 
that just made like it's you know why you kind of I mean why I like comics and what I think people like about a team that's just really cooking you know and um and I think you see that on the page and the you know my my comps just arrived uh today actually nice. so I was looking through it and it's just uh I mean it it comes through like I'm so happy with 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 that and and yeah, it was, just, it was one of these great things where every member of the team brought their egg game, every member of the team, like their fingerprints are all over it. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very gratifying feeling. Yeah. That, that is awesome. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm sure this, vary, this experience varies from book to book, but in terms of sort of building those relationships with, you know, the other people on the creative team, how, you know, how easy is it to get in lockstep with a writer versus a colorist say, you know, cause I imagine you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of the, 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 the link in between, you know, those two others on the chain. Sure. Um, I mean, with this though, I mean, like Kurt has access, you know, we all have access to each other. Mm-hmm. So we're all kind of, there's a lot of crossfire and, um, you know, Kurt is, uh, uh, you know, he and Chris kind of talk about what the scene needs and stuff. Um, so there's obviously like, I draw things in a certain way where he knows what I'm going for. Um, and this is our first time working together. And we, the, the, the chemistry is already there, which I'm very happy about. Like I was reading Money Shot and loved his work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we dipped our toe in the water with a cover for Giga. And, um, you know, like I just... He, he just elevated everything I did. So I was already excited to work with him on the book. And he's just, he's, you know, even on pages where I was like, oh, I was kind of tired on that page. He manages to make it a home run for me personally. So I'm very grateful for him. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I, he's, you know, like I, I'm sure some, he might have a bit of an ax to grind with me at the moment, just because like I, there's been a lot going on with, I, I don't know where you, I'm in Toronto and um, our, we're still under uh, quite a restrictive lockdown with COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, I'm home with my two children and we've got other things going on. So it's kind of like, it's hard to be as uh, quick on the draw as I, as I want to be. So he's sure. being, Kurt's being very, very patient with me. Um, but, uh, you know, like, but he and I have a pretty good dynamic and he, he's, he, he does great work. And then, uh, with Chris and I, like, it's actually, you know, Chris is, uh, oddly enough, like, we don't, I don't have a lot of, we, you know, we have back and forth, but he's not somebody, like, I'm not asking a million questions of him, and he just lets me do whatever I want, and really, a big part of that is because he writes his script so competently, and, I mean, I think I wrote him once, and I was like, where in Illinois does this take place, and he's like, it's Milwaukee, <laughs> Uh, uh, so, I mean, like, just like, there might be little things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, like by and large, he writes in ways where I just like, I get it and I, you know, I, I, I I chew on it and then I bring all of that to, to the page. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I like to think that, um, it's because we're working so well together that we don't have a lot of constructing to do with each other. Um, but he's, you know, he's very, he's also very generous with the praise. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, you know, thankfully, I don't have to be so much of a bridge between the other people. They, they can sort of figure out things by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, cause I get, so I, when I, when I draw, I'm like a horse with blinders on. So I kind of, you know, when I have to stop and think about other things, it's, it can be like, I, it takes me a minute to readjust. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, I think we have a, you know, just in terms of how we're communicating and getting on, I think I'm very fortunate to be in such a, an efficient, uh, in, in giving team. So uh, mentioned this in the solicit text, but uh, Sam, the, uh, the blue flame is a uh, union boiler repairman by trade. Uh, yeah. You know, not a ton of the book as, as we've read it, as Matt and I have read it so far has taken place in a boiler room, but I'm curious whether there was a period where, you know, you were looking up all that stuff for, uh, for reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, I mean, I do that a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing what I'll have to, like, just the, the sheer volume of stuff I look at and then what ends up actually being used or, or is involved with me drawing the final thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to, you know, like, I, I've drawn stuff before where it was like, I wish I, you know, like, I, I drew, I remember there was like a, in, in New Mutants, there was like a sequence that took place on a plane. Mm-hmm. And I drew most of the plane just remembering what it was like to be on a plane and, and so on and so forth. So it's like, I, you know, I, I, I just, it's just an example of like, I, you know, I, I'd like to know as much of the inner workings of things as I can, whether or not it gets depicted literally. Like, I just like to know, it's, it's like knowing what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Sure. Like if you, if you have to speak on a subject, you'd like some background on it. So yeah, I looked at a lot of boiler room stuff. And, uh, things that stuff Sam might have to do day to day. And then I think in the one page where he's a boiler man, he's, he's like, yeah, this is broke. <laughs> like it's, it's, there wasn't much to it, but, you know, I guess I'm like a, I'm a method artist, I guess, you know. Um, it's like, it's like a story Bible, right? Like, like, you know, you, you know, all these things about, about your character. They're not yeah. necessarily going to be relevant to the, the book or the show or, or, you know, whatever the project is, but you know them. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it's like, I don't, I haven't read a ton of Superman comics, but of the Superman comics I've read, I haven't necessarily seen him do a lot of like, you know, hard hitting reporting. Uh, but I know that by day he's a mild mannered journalist, right? And that's enough. So this is the same kind of thing. And, um, you know, we, through his, <laughs> through his, I'm very sure storied career as a boiler man, he's, he's had some, some harrowing adventures, but you know, we, <laughs> this is moving past that. Uh for, for the record, I, I work at a newspaper uh, in my day oh. job, and I've seen enough depictions of newspapers in comics that I've long past gotten the idea of ranting and raving, none of this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> I'm sure. I, um, Most depictions I, of IT guys are pretty accurate. Oh. We are that surly. <laughs> <sighs> my father was something of an IT guy, so I have a pretty good idea of, of what that's like. <laughs> I got all that surliness at home when he was <laughs> with his, with his hobby computers. So, um, 
one of my favorite things, just speaking on the journalist thing, though, is like one of my favorite movies is, uh, is Zodiac, David Fincher's Zodiac. Yeah. And um, I think what I, it's one of the movies that I just love having on while I work because I love the sound of the office, just like typewriters in the background, a phone ringing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, murmuring, paper shuffling, yeah. uh, the sound of like somebody's rolling chair at the desk. And, you know, somebody like, you know, some grizzly guy just like lighting a cigarette and exhaling onto his typewriter page. All that's, and, you know, and then the, you know, the character, the main character in that was a cartoonist. So, uh, but, um, you know, I, that's, I'm sure journalism is maybe a different thing these days, but that's how I want to remember it. They, they have long ago replaced those ugly green metal desks that, that, uh, that were all over that bullpen, but, uh. And of course, computers, but yeah. still, <laughs> no smoking. All right, there have been some changes. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this isn't obviously the only uh, iron you have in the fire. Uh, I think very recently, uh, Boom announced you're drawing a uh, the next Dune miniseries, uh, Blood of the Sardaukar. Yeah. Somebody hit me if I'm not pronouncing that right. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, this is launching like two months after the Blue Flame is launching. Mm. And of course, we all know time is a flat circle and an abstract concept that makes fools of us all. <laughs> but, you know, what is your actual timeline all on this? Like, is Blue Flame already in your, you know, rear view and you're already halfway through Dune? Like, like where is all this, like, to you on your, you know, uh, drawing board or, or, or tablet or whatever? Uh, well, Dune, Dune's done. It's been in the can for a while. Okay, um, okay. So, I mean, I, uh, as I, I mentioned earlier about 2020 being just this roller coaster ride of projects rising and falling. So I got Dune, I got Dune uh, at late in 2020. Um, and I more or less walked from Dune onto the Blue Flame as we were kind of working out, working that out. Um, so there wasn't really any overlap. And uh, I'm not really sure why it, to, I don't, the timing, I guess, on everything on Boom's part. Yeah. Um, maybe they just wanted to give because they have like I think at least they have at least one uh, House of Trades. So maybe they just wanted to give that some room to breathe. Um, but it's a it's a one shot, so it's not a series or anything like that. It's forty pages, um, and like I was super stoked to do it. Like my I I read you know I was a fan. I am a fan of the six uh, original books. Uh, Growing up, my dad was a big, big reader, big into science fiction, uh, and the writing of Frank Herbert, uh, like he just he would rave about. So, I got exposed to Dune pretty early on in my life, and um, you know, I figured this project would, when it was offered to me, it seemed like the type of thing that uh, you know, the first book that my dad would kind of he's like my dad's super supportive, and always has been, but this would be the first comic that kind of felt like it would be for him you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um because you know like he's it's tough like he you know like for most people who don't actively read comics it's kind of like i get you know even if it's a character that he's familiar with it's like well what do i have to know to read this and it's like oh well you got to (laughs) read uh so you know but this will be the first thing that he has an intimate knowledge of and it just so, I mean, that made it really exciting for me. And then, of course, just satisfying for myself to work on 
something Dune related, and especially because that book is, um, that comic is canon to the novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written by Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson, who are writing the Dune Extended Universe books. And, um, and so this ties into the, the writing a new trilogy of Dune, right, uh, Dune now that, um, that will, you know, overlap with this comic that I'm drawing. I got to co-create uh, the character for the book, which is a new character in the series. And uh, so the 40 page special is from the perspective of, of this new character. And it takes place within the, some of the events of the first book. Um, and uh, so, I mean, like, you know, it was just super exciting for me. Um, but uh, I don't know, you know, I know Dune isn't as big as star Wars, but I hope that for the hardcore Dune fans, it's very satisfying. Um, yeah. But so that'll be coming out. I know it looks like I'm doing everything all at once, uh, but it's not. So, you know, if you're an editor of mine, you can breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be dropping, you know, shortly before the, the movie, which I, is, is coming out. Early fall, I think it, it's been pushed back so many times. So synergy on timeline there is good. Yeah, well, I mean, like you know, it, it's July, so it'll be you know just in time for the summer. We all know how everybody one of everybody's favorite summer pastime is reading high science fiction the comics uh, in the shade. So <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I'm just thinking, you know, Dune, I mean, and every other movie, you know, the past like year and a half, crazy, uh, you know, constantly shifting timeline. And then, you know, flashback three years ago, there's New Mutants Dead Souls with the movie that felt like it was never going to come out. So. Yeah, I I mean, they wanted that to come out along with that book. <laughs> and it never happened. Um and it's just one of these things where it was like, they'll never say, they, like, they never admit we're timing this with the, they always make it sound like just, it's just serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, we, cert- we, you know, it was like, oh, this will be good. This will be good. The movie's coming out along with our New Mutants miniseries and hopefully that's something. And then there was a moment where it's like, oh shit, the movie's not coming out. Does this make our book pointless? And, you know, obviously, obviously not, but, um, you know, like I, I think to me, it just kind of drives home the argument that, you know, the movies shouldn't really impact what the comics are doing. It's kind of, a, I don't know, whoever makes those decisions, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 Rosen, Matt Rosenberg, who wrote Dead Souls, was smart yeah. in that he linked it to like two of his other miniseries. So. Yes. yes. They had to put I, them all out. <laughs> we, um, we had, yeah, we like. That's such a crazy book. Like it was supposed to be bigger than it was, but, and so we had these big ideas for it, but luckily Matt was able to kind of like inject them into the rest of the X stuff that he got to do. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I, you know, I don't think the success of any movie, like if the success of, of comic book movies transferred to comics, like, you know, people working on big two books would be in such a big, better place. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But um, but they obviously don't. But they keep, you know, they keep swinging that bat. And uh, I don't know. But I, 
I, so anyways, I've, I've stopped keeping track of when movies come out. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I, I'll be honest with you. I was, it was like, I, I had done pretty well with, uh, with the pandemic and whatever, like I, you know, my, the nature of my, my job, I was primed to just sit in isolation for long periods of time. But the one thing I was looking forward to was seeing Godzilla versus Kong in theaters. I really was. And I was like, we can do this, we can make it and so on. And then it just didn't happen for us up here in Toronto. And that was like when I, that's when I really got the blues. Like it's just like it affected me. And uh, because it was like, you know, it was like the one thing I was holding out hope for. It's such a small thing, but those are the weird things that kind of break you sometimes. And, uh, but I mean, like I, I got to see it on my television and that was fun too. But, but that was when I just kind of stopped, like, I'm going to stop kind of anticipating things. And when they happen, they happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dune will be like, I'm sure I'll end up seeing Dune on HBO Max or whatever the heck it comes out on <laughs> when it does. It looks like, I, I had to look it up. It looks like it's October. It's the first week of October. So oh, I have there, that there, there's, there, there's some time there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I finally have started going to the movies again because I got my fully vac. I'm fully vaccinated, and it was like oh, my yeah, my gift to myself was when the second dose was fully in there. That that night, I went to the movies because I'm a. I go to one or two movies a week, and I have for years. And so it yeah. was like I missed that for that year and a half, year and two months. It was like, uh... yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I. Well, I'm envious, obviously. <laughs> Sorry. That's good. That's I don't mean to rub right. it in. I'm not trying to rub it in. It's just like... It, it, no, I want to get, get, get to where you are. <laughs> it's okay. We, 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 can, we can give him shit because the last movie he saw before the lockdown was Bloodshot. <laughs> yep. Oh. yep. Two was... The day before... It was a week before they shut everything down. I was like, oh, it goes in. It's like, oh. I was supposed to see it too. Um, I was, I had done, I had done C2E2, the yep. first and last convention of 2020. <laughs> the last good time. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but I had, you know, I was all set to go to Seattle like a couple weeks later and uh, Valiant was setting up a screening for that convention. So I had passes to go and I was, you know, I was, I was oddly looking forward to it. Like I didn't have high hopes for the movie, but I, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I had hoped it would be a good time. I knew it'd be with industry people and so on and so forth. So like, it seemed like it'd be a, a great way to spend one of those nights at a convention. Um, so I came, you know, I was sort of, I was this close to, to having my last theater experience being bloodshot. Uh, but I can't remember what my last theater experience was, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll have to think on that later. <laughs> uh, well, my, mine was onward the, uh, the Pixar movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that with my son, and man, that movie broke me. I was was a blubbering mess by the end of it. Father son shit, man, I'll tell you. But um, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned C2E2 because today I was I was listening back to you had done an interview with uh, our buddy Adam Reck when he was there. Yeah, and it's just crazy what an artifact. Like listening back to it was like a bunch of different creators on on that podcast, but like. You know, oh yeah, you know, I'm really excited. I got I got this coming out and, and <laughs> you know, Ten of Swords is coming in July. Yeah. And, and you know, how, how much of that actually uh you know 
happened later than we thought or, 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 or not at all, or, or, you know, somewhere, somewhere in between, like just within a matter of weeks, just. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm now on a completely different path than what I had planned at the start of that year. Um, And for the better, you know, like I, I'm, it's, but it's just a really, you you never know what's coming around the corner. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I, don't know when I'll have that kind of experience again. Um, or even if, you know, even if I went to a show, I know as a lot of people plan to in the States, um, I don't even know if I could like, I think everybody's guard is going to be up for such a long while before sure. shows yeah. start to be truly fun again. Um, I mean, you know, everybody should be cautious, but uh, yeah, like it'll, that will be kind of a, uh, a gilded memory that yeah. that Chicago show. Uh, but I, it's, it's just, yeah. Like, so I, 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 I'll think about it too. Something will happen and me and my partner who was there with me, we'll think about, we'll think about it. And uh, it'll just kind of, you know, it, it, it just washes over us again. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, this summer is going to be a big test to see, how we do with kind of creeping back into society, everyone at their own uh, pace, certainly. But, um, you know, kind of kind of pivoting back. Uh, yes. Something else uh, from your work that I, I was curious about. So uh, you co-created uh, Murd Blurdock, the seeing being the space lizard uh, lawyer slash fighter of ninjas uh, yeah. with Al Ewing and Rocket. Uh, yeah. Were you surprised when, when Hickman and uh, Rod Reese brought him back in, uh, in New Mutants? Or by that point, had you drawn so much Ninja Turtles that you were used to anthropomorphic animal characters created as a spoofish commentary on Daredevil? <laughs> There's a couple things to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only learned recently that that was the case, that dare, the, the Daredevil connection. Oh, to Ninja not. Turtles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that. I only learned that recently, and like I, my brains melted out of my ears and nose when that when I learned that. I don't know how I got this far in life without knowing that. Um, so that's very cool. Um, no, I was I I found out you know like I follow a lot of I have a lot of friends and a lot a lot of mutuals who are you know uh, very much like uh, uh, loving the X Men stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean like I when when that came out, like I was notified and uh, I was seeing people talk about it. I wasn't sure what had happened initially. Um, I didn't know why I was being, why I was being mentioned or credited in things. Cause I was, I'm not, you know, cause it was weird too. Cause it's like, no, 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 I'm not drawing this new mute. So I don't know why you're talking about it. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was delightful to see, get to see him brought back. Um, I really, I really, really wanted I really, really wanted to draw at the time. I was like, could I do a pinup or cover? This is to my Marvel editors I was speaking to, but I wanted to draw him in his costume. I wanted to, uh, to draw a costume for the character, give him a look and everything. Um, and it just, like, it just didn't happen. But, uh, and then I thought about doing it on my own. And then I thought, well, I could be stirring the pot there because if it ever happens and, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to stymie whoever does get to do it professionally or what have you. So, I, like, I, I hope someday I get to draw that character in its glory, um, even if it's just, like, a five-page backup 
That'd be awesome. But it's, I, I, so I'm glad that he, that he made an appearance again in space court. Um, but it was like, I remember reading that script and being in tears because it was such a hilarious sequence. It was just so absurd. Just the comedy. Ah, uh, so great. So I, I mean, like I, it's like, when, now that you mention it, like it's one of those things I'm, I'm still very proud of because it just, it, I laughed just thinking about it. <laughs> Come fight ninjas. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you what, you know, cons become a thing again. They're safe. Everybody's having a fun time. That's going to be somebody's commission. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> oh boy. But uh, so uh, we did get a couple Twitter questions uh, as we're kind of winding down here. Okay. Uh, this one comes from our pal uh, Asimov Fangirl, the loyalist content consumer. Uh, so which of, which of the turtles would you like to hang out with for a day and what would you do? Uh, imagine in this scenario, you have armor. So, you know, less chance of getting hurt. <laughs> sure. Um, for me, it comes down to either Donatello or Michelangelo. Uh, I think those are probably, I like all the turtles. I, I have been... Each turtle has been number one for me at different points in my life. Mm -hmm. um, Donatello is probably the guy, the turtle that I have the most in common with, just as like a person. So we would probably have a really quiet afternoon together. <laughs> um, you know, I can't see Donatello getting into too much trouble on his own. We'd have a nice exchange of ideas, um, you know, have a sandwich, something like that. Uh, and then, you know, Mike... Mike is the turtle that would, you know, like, you know, I'm not much, I, you know, like I'm not the life of a party, but, um, you know, I'd be a fun type person. And so that'd be our thing. Uh, you can tell I've thought about all of this before. Um, <laughs> but those, those are definitely the two. I'm not sure I would, I'm not sure I would need armor. I'd want them to still respect me. So I'd go armorless regardless of whether I regretted it later or not. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. It's, it's Raph who you'd really have because he's going to bring you somewhere where you're going to need the armor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Raph is the, if I went out with Raph, I'd have, you know, I'd be like, I, that's, he's the turtle where I'd be like to a friend of mine, if I don't call you back by <laughs> nine, <laughs> please... <laughs> Please look for me. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> uh, and then uh, our, our good friend, uh, Charlie Davis asks, uh, wanted to know if you have any uh, horror inspirations uh, for your art. And I know you mentioned rights in uh, right at the top of the show, but uh, any others? Mm -hmm. um, there, I mean, I'll look at, uh, it, it, it depends on, on, on what the subject matter is. Um, uh, Jay Lee did an illustrated edition of Bram Stoker's Dracula that I love. He did these uh, key illustrations for the book. And I mean, like I'm a fan of his work in general. Um, I mean, I, I really, like I, I, I was aware of his work for a long time, but I fell in love with it when he was doing that first uh, and um you know like he's just so atmospheric so he's somebody whose art i i think of when it comes to horror and um you know obscuring details he's not afraid of letting you know like you the eye 
will pick things up whether he makes them explicit or not. So he's somebody that I've looked at quite a bit for art insp or horror inspiration. Um, I think of movies a lot, you know, more than anything. Um, uh, Mike Walsh is a fr my friend, Mike Walsh. Uh, he's getting into some good horror comic stuff. So these are kind of conversations we've had before. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, once upon a time, Mike and I were trying to do an Archie horror comic together um, that we would co-write and draw. And so we had some specific ideas about that where we hashed out all these, like, you know, uh, what are our, you know, what's our horror checklist for things that we would like to bring to this. Um, mm -hmm. And it's mostly, it always comes back to movies and just things that scare me. And so, I mean, like there's, I'm being, I don't want to give everything because there's still horror stuff that I myself want to do that. Mm -hmm. And I have a few pretty gnarly ideas that I, that, you know, just things that give me the creeps when I think of them. So, um, but uh, yeah, like I, it's, you know, Rayson's one of those guys, Jay Lee. Um, gosh, who, I mean, like I'm loving, uh, it's not technically horror, um, but uh, everything Martin Simmons is doing on Department of Truth. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just incredibly atmospheric and, uh, and unsettling. So um, there's a lot of manga stuff that I'm told is really excellent horror. I've yet to check that out. Um, but yeah, just in terms of comics, those are the three that I can think of off the top of my head. But, um, but yeah, I will, when I get to do horror again, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, so, so now the, uh, the, the, part of show we've all been waiting for, uh, tell us about your cat. <laughs> well, I have, so I have two cats and I have oh, one okay. dog. Uh, oh. I didn't, I actually, I came into my office and I shut my door, not realizing that Maple was in here. So I have a, like this, I have this bay window that looks out onto like directly into my neighbor's fucking living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's this it's this great what are you watching window. right now <laughs> it's this great window and it just it's not the view that i want but it is what it is but she's she'll sit in there and there's trees and she watches birds it's very nice so maple is uh she's very demure so she's hiding under my desk right now i can see her paw um you know we adopted her and uh she so she had she was i think a couple of years at that point so you know, not, she's friendly, but just kind of keeps to herself. Very pretty. Um, and then there's uh, Cliff, who we found as a kitten um, and uh, took him in after, you know, not being able to find if, whether or not he had a, a owner. And um, so he's a, he's a great tab and he's super friendly and loves to cuddle. Like he's, he just, you know, he's a, He's a mama's boy. He just likes being held and rubbed and stuff. He's, he just soaks it all up. And then uh, my dog, Harlow, she's a Brittany Spaniel. So she's got those nice droopy ears and this you know, beautiful face. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's your uh, typical dumb, gross dog. <laughs> uh, I got one of, of those. <laughs> lot, yeah, lots of energy. Uh, doesn't have a mean bone in her body. It's like the worst guard dog. <laughs> um but uh you know just just really delightful uh and uh uh you know they're all they're all really good company but really it's maple is really the only one that likes to spend extensive time in the office with me mm -hmm. uh 
and Cliff will come in when he wants to, uh, you know, attack her. Um, and then they knock over my stuff. I have to like, it's, I have to I've become very mindful about not leaving open ink out anywhere in my office uh, because of one particularly bad experience. So yeah, they're all great. Awesome. Um, what are you reading right now? Um, uh, I mentioned the department of truth. Uh, something is killing the children when it comes out in trade. Um, I've been enjoying, uh, the Eternals at Marvel. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I've been following Dan Mora's stuff on detective comics. I really liked his dark detective, um, uh, uh book, uh, I forget her name. Tim, uh, Tamaki. Tamaki. Yes. Thank you. Uh, um, I really fell in love with her, uh, you know, Laura uh, Dean keeps breaking up with me. Mm -hmm. I always think Laura Dern. <laughs> you know, I mean, like Laura Dern would break up with me, so that hits home. Of course. I mean, listen, Laura Dern's better than all of us. Let's be yeah, honest. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, like that, that was a really wonderful uh, graphic novel, and so and, and and so I followed her to see what she would do with Batman, and that was you know she's really good. I think she's a she's you know uh, of the two. I haven't read a lot of her stuff, but of what I've read. Just excellent, excellent voice. Um, what do I got going on here? Uh, I started, I'm a big, I'm looking at my pile. I, uh, I'm a big Godzilla fan. So I, uh, I've checked out that Godzilla uh, Monsters and Protectors, um, the kind of like, you know, young reader oriented Godzilla book, which I'm very, I'm very pleased with. I, I think it's really fun. Um, you know, like I, 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 I like the fact that they're doing that and kind of, I like, I like it when, when properties sow seeds to, you know, grow fans later on in life. Um, gosh, what else? I mean, Immortal Hulk, I I'm reading, I was a fan of that book before I got to work on it. Um, uh, gosh, I, uh, Homesick Pilots. I'm really enjoying. I love Homesick that Pilots. series so much. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's um, there's there's others, but that's that's all. Unless I, I mean, you know, I, nobody wants to see me rifle through my pile. But, <laughs> but there's no, no, there's, that that's a good list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we're we're, there's, we're blessed with like a lot of good comics to choose from. So, no, certainly. And I and I will say, uh, you know, we we that this is our penultimate question every time, and nine times out of ten, it's the immediate sort of like you watch them look to the left. <laughs> And look to the right, like, oh shit, what am I reading right now? And, and they don't, they don't all have like the pile next to them, so, you know. It's like it, it, it's it's like the softballest question, but for some reason, it ends up being the most gotcha question every week. So you have yeah, I mean, I, admirably. Yeah, a guest asked us recently, and I'm like, I read like sixty monthly titles, and all of them immediately jumped out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, he just I he think, just did the Gary Oldman everything uh, gif. <laughs> I can picture it. Uh, there's just yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of good stuff, and you never. It's like I, you know, it's like thanking somebody in an award ceremony. You don't want to leave anybody out, um, but you also want people to think that you've got great taste or something. So, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I, I I always keep a lot of stuff handy because in part, like I. Part of what keeps me inspired is, um, sorry, my cat's up on my scanner now, like anything can happen. <laughs> uh, uh, part of what keeps me inspired is like reading what 
books and seeing what other people are doing and um you know like knowing who i'm who i feel like i have to keep up with or you know like just learning something new you know how did they do this how can i do that so i I always keep some comics handy to help me out with any kind of creative blocks Well, uh, Adam, this has been uh, a fantastic uh, final question. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to pause. Uh, I was just watching Adam retrieve his cat off the scanner. <laughs> sorry. No, that's okay. Adorable. Uh, no, uh, final question. How can people uh, follow you online and keep up with everything you've got going on? Oh, uh, pretty easy. Um, so I'm on both Twitter and Instagram. My handle for both is at Adam T. Gorham, G-O-R-H-A-M. Um, I post a ton of art on Instagram, a lot of process stuff. If you're interested in seeing how the sausage gets made, um, Twitter uh, Twitter is one of those things where like I'm on it. I try not to be on it a lot, <laughs> uh, but I do, you know, like I do share a lot of art there um, and, you know, my thoughts on on various movies that I want. Now I'm looking at your cat. Yes. Um, Say hello to everyone, Bass. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and then my ideas for, for fast food inventions and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, so those are the two primary things. And <clears throat> through those two things, everything else flows. I have a big cartel site if you're interested in getting some prints um, or some sketchbooks, which I still have available. And that's Adam Gorham dot bigcartel.com and i also have an art rep who sells all my original art including the original art for the upcoming the blue flame and dune um my commission list is uh full at the moment um to everybody waiting on a commission uh please be patient but you will be pleased um and uh, but you know for future reference you can hit up cam at inkyknuckles.com for all of your art inquiries uh, and that's really all that i can think of Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at comicsxf.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at comicsxf.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. A $3 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember... That one time Pete Wisdom stopped the vampire invasion from the moon. W-N-Q-A.